0: Are you aware of a, of a precedent that um, permits an injunction against all persons in, in, in the country, the world, the cosmos, who bring suit?
1: No, Justice Gorsuch. So our injunction doesn't do that either.
0: Well, uh, you said it against anyone who brings suit, right. So I, I did include that in my limitation. Am I missing something?
2: Uh, again, Not in I think the history of the United States. States.
0: You, can't, you can't identify one for us, right?
2: In the history of the United States, no state has done what Texas has done here.
3: No, they haven't. Other than Texas.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's
3: one reason I came here. I got
2: the feeling that something right. No way, I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck oh. in the middle with you.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, and Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We stream as well on the internets every day around the globe on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Just trying to make some sense of it all today as the news continues to pile in. Uh, this from the NBC just moments ago. Greg Abbott, speaking of Texas, Greg Abbott noting that parents across Texas have become, quote, increasingly alarmed about, quote, extremely inappropriate library books, is now calling on districts to remove them. doesn't cite which specific books, but recent cases have centered on, oh, you know, uh, let's see, uh, 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 (laughs) anti-racism books, sex ed books, LGBTQ books. Walter Schaub, the uh, uh, former ethics official under George W. Bush, tweets out that news uh, and adds, I remember reading about this kind of censorship in grade school. Now this new crop of book burners would probably be outraged at the very thought that schools might teach students about the dark history of censorship in this country. Well, (laughs)
1: He took my thunder. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Let's uh, start the countdown clock and when they're going to start burning the books.
3: Yeah. At this rate, that seems to be where we are headed, which kind of works in perfectly with what uh, our our theme, as I'm looking at the stories that are just piling in today, uh, seem to underscore, which is um, democracy and the death thereof. Of course, we prefer to watch democracy live versus die. Even as that is much of what we actually are watching today and as I'll get to in a moment, hopefully along with your calls throughout the hour as you see fit at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. By the way, we are wrapping up our fun drive here. So when you call in. Uh, To talk to me, I think you hit one, but to leave a donation, which I would greatly appreciate here, donation for KPFK, uh, you hit the second button and you'll be put through to someone uh, to make a donation for any amount you like. And by the way, if you're not listening on KPFK, you're probably listening on a different station that could similarly use your support. So please help support non-commercial, non-corporatized radio that allows, uh, well, progressives like me to speak out. When we are otherwise shut out of your public airwaves across much of the country So I do want to try to open up the conversation uh, to you guys as well as we go Because, hey, as long as democracy is dying, we might as well, ironically enough, all take part in it Am I right, Desi Doyen? Oh <laughs> well, uh, yeah So uh, I mean,
1: it does require your participation And, hey, maybe even if everybody works together, we can save it Right. that's an idea.
3: As our friend Tom Hartman likes to say, tag your it. Well, uh, some actual democracy is actually underway at the moment at ballot boxes around the nation today with the final day of voting in municipal and statewide elections in a number of states on Tuesday. We spent some time last week discussing three measures regarding democracy on the ballot itself in the great state of New York. Uh, we talked about that last week to change redistricting processes, registration deadlines to eventually allow for same day registration in the state, and new requirements. For absentee voting, actually uh, loosening the requirements for absentee voting, because in New York, a supposedly liberal state, they have some of the most restrictive election laws when it comes to vote by mail. So if you missed that broadcast with two election experts from New York, uh, each, by the way, with differing opinions on all of this, along with myself also differing with them on some of these points, Uh, The election integrity movement is not monolithic, not by a long shot. Anyway, um, some of those uh, statewide constitutional ballot measures in in New York, which deal with democracy, we talked about all of that last week. You can download that show, as always, for free from bradblog.com. Of course, receiving the most attention on uh, Tuesday in the elections is the off-year gubernatorial contest between Virginia's former Democratic governor, Terry McAuliffe, who is running again, this time against the Trump endorsed Republican Glenn Youngkin in a state that used to be very Republican, but in recent years has swung pretty dramatically towards the Democratic Party, which now controls both chambers of the uh, of the legislature there and the governor's mansion, at least for now. Polls show a very tight race in the Commonwealth, uh, where uh, these are the pre-election polls, where the Democrat McAuliffe has had a slight, if narrowing, lead over Yunkin for weeks now, according to 538's polling average. But as of today, Yunkin with a a very narrow uh, one point lead over Terry McAuliffe in the uh, pre-election polling average at 538. Certainly that's within the margin of error, but it does suggest a dead heat right now in a state that traditionally tends to vote someone in as governor who is the opposite party of the one which has just been elected to the White House in the year prior. So history is certainly on the side of Glenn Youngkin uh, and the Republicans there in Virginia, even in a state that did go for Biden last November by about 10 points. But we will see if the voters are, uh, never mind history being on Youngkin's side, It matters if the voters are, as we uh, will hopefully see some actual democracy still playing out in at least parts of the nation this week. Uh, As to other facets of the national democracy this week, well, in one... And I'll just drop this here for now because we're going to pick this up on another day. We've been talking about it a lot. The uh, Build Back Better initiative, Joe Biden's agenda in the uh, in the U.S. Senate, that battle continues. It looked like on on Friday they had a framework that Joe Biden claimed everyone had agreed to, except you know Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema would not say as much whether they agreed to it or not. I think on Monday, uh, Joe Manchin finally had a press conference where he did not sound like he agreed, at least for now, at all with this bill, which is why on Friday's broadcast, we were speaking with uh, Heather Digby Parton of Salon, and the topic there was: Is Joe Manchin and uh, and Kirsten Cinema trying to kill the bill? It sure looks like that today, Des.
1: it? It certainly does, based on the uh, the new uh, objections that uh, Manchin invented today in his little press conference. <laughs> so uh, I think he is coming up with basically throwing whatever he can at the wall to try to delay this as much as possible. Yep. As to why he was doing that and is doing that and can continues to obstruct, despite making it sound like, you know, he's in favor of it, is anybody's guess at this point.
3: So uh, democracy, such as we have it in the U.S. Senate, where every single Republican has decided to vote against this measure, it's not like they want something out of it. It's not like they're negotiating. They're just against it because it comes from a Democrat. Therefore, democracy, such as we have it currently in the U.S. Senate, is just applied to the 50 uh, senators who caucus with the Democrats, and uh, all but two of them now—Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema—all but two of them are good to go. And by the way, they were good to go weeks ago when the bill was at 3.5 trillion dollars. So again, it's the holdup of Manchin and C- Cinema. And we'll talk about that uh, in the days ahead, but it does uh, add some, maybe maybe begins to fill in some answers uh, to that question we were asking on Friday. Uh, does Joe Manchin actually want to kill the bill? It sure seems like that. Uh, in any event, uh, we got a whole bunch of uh, stories since we got off the air on Friday uh, suggesting that uh, we are watching something Very different when it comes to democracy, very different from what we're seeing right now at the polls in Virginia and elsewhere. We are seeing something that looks a hell of a lot like democracy dying. Rob Reiner, yes, that Rob Reiner, the uh, film director and, of course, meathead from All in the Family, he made a not-wrong-at-all point on Twitter on Sunday. And I quote, I will say this, he said, until Donald Trump is prosecuted for leading a deadly insurrection to overthrow the government and voting rights are passed, we are watching democracy die. As I said, I think he's not entirely wrong, not wrong at all, in fact, and in fact, perhaps uh, even more right than he realizes. And with that in mind, we have been watching exactly that on this program and warning about it for quite some time. And of course, it goes well beyond just the matter of Trump and accountability for his unprecedented attack on the U.S. Capitol to prevent the verification of Joe Biden's 2020 Electoral College victory. In the form uh, in the uh, f- former uh, president's unapologetic a- a attempt to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden, certainly, that was an, an act of, if not democracy dying, certainly the former president trying to kill it altogether. And uh, certainly what we're seeing with moves like uh, Governor Abbott in Texas trying to, uh, you know, begin the book burning. There is reason to be very concerned about democracy in this country. That attack on the Capitol, of course, uh, according to a bipartisan majority, a bipartisan majority of U.S. senators at the time, 57 to 43. That attack on January 6th was, in fact, incited by President Donald J. Trump himself, according to a majority of U.S. senators as those senators determined on the record at the end of his second impeachment trial at the beginning of the year, just in case you and they have forgotten. So we are watching democracy die today in various ways. We're also watching people trying to keep it from dying. I know we're trying to do that. Uh, But a number of different stories underscore uh, the, the death of democracy. Uh, unfolding before our eyes, and I hope to sort of, you know, work through some of these stories today and get to as many as possible, along with your calls on any of them, if you'd like to ring in along the way, 818-985-KPFK, uh, since democracy is not yet dead here on the broadcast. But boy, are Republicans trying to kill it around the country however they possibly can. And while I hope to get to what happened in the U.S. Supreme Court this morning in a bit, because that also uh, plays into this theme, I want to kick off your post-Halloween broadcast uh, with this chilling story from over the weekend out of Florida. Because, yes, this is very much how democracy dies, literally. So please pay attention. Three University of Florida professors— two of them who have been guests on this program multiple times throughout the years, thanks to their expert knowledge of elections and voting-related issues, three University of Florida professors have now been barred from assisting plaintiffs in a lawsuit to overturn the Sunshine State's new election law, restricting voting rights. That, according to lawyers in a federal court filing on Friday. This is not normal. The ban on the professor's Being allowed to participate as expert witnesses in this lawsuit is an extraordinary limit on free speech that raises questions of academic freedom and First Amendment rights, according to the New York Times coverage. The uh, University of Florida professors in question, they are three political scientists, uh, Daniel Smith. Known as Election Smith on Twitter, he's been on this program a number of times over the years to discuss things like redistricting and voting rights. Michael McDonald, who has also joined us uh, to discuss similar uh, science on this program, including things like turnout rates and access to uh, to the ballot box, which he covers very closely. And Sharon Wright, a longtime voting rights expert at the school, have all been barred. In this unusual, perhaps unheard of move where university officials reportedly told the three that because the school was a state institution participating in a lawsuit as an expert witness against the state, quote, is adverse to the University of Florida's interests and could not be permitted That's explained in their uh, filing about this. Uh, The lawyers sought to question Governor Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor, and whether he was involved in this remarkable decision. The move prevents the three expert professors from testifying for the plaintiffs against the law that was championed by Governor DeSantis that restricts mail-in voting, that curtails dropbox hours, that limits who can provide food or water to those voters who are waiting in line to vote. It is a voter suppression law. That Ron DeSantis is quite proud of. He actually signed it during an interview on TV on Fox and Friends, on the Fox News channel, surrounded by a group of supporters with local media completely locked out of that ceremony. DeSantis has resisted questioning about whether he was involved in canceling, yes, canceling the professor's ability to participate as expert witnesses in this lawsuit, arguing that all of his communications about the law are protected from disclosure because discussions about legislation, he says, are privileged. In their filing on Friday, however, lawyers for the plaintiffs said the federal questions in the actual case against the law including whether the law discriminates against minority groups, that that overrides any such state protections, any claims of executive privilege. The university's refusal, however, to allow the professors to testify in this case this is a huge turnaround for the University of Florida or for any university in the country, at least as far as I know. Like other schools nationwide, the university has routinely allowed academic experts to offer expert testimony in lawsuits even when they oppose the interest of the political party that happens to be in power. As in this case, the political party in power uh, that the school apparently thinks may somehow be harmed if their own professors testify against the state. Uh, the uh, Washington Post uh, said that uh, as uh, University of Florida is a state actor, school officials said in documents that litigation against the state is adverse to UF's interest.
1: Wait, so they're making it sound like the University of Florida is functionally serving as a mouthpiece for the state legislature and the state government in control of Republicans. Well,
3: it sure seems to be like someone either they decided or someone has told them, hey, if your professors testify against the state, against the state law, your professors who happen to be experts, nationally renowned experts, by the way, not just on Florida law, but on election law across the country, if those people testify Well, we'd hate to. Nice university you got there. We'd hate to see something happen to it. That is, this is not how any of this has ever worked before, at least not in this country. And if this is not how democracy dies, frankly, I don't know what is. And frankly, I'm somewhat afraid to uh, find out at this point. Leading experts on academic freedom told the New York Times that they knew of no similar restrictions on professors' free speech and testimony and said the action was probably unconstitutional. A spokesperson for the university defended the uh, prohibition, saying in a statement that the school, quote, has a long track record of supporting free speech and our faculty's academic freedom and will continue to do so. Really? She added, quote, the university did not deny the First Amendment rights or academic freedom of the professors. Rather, the university denied requests of these full time employees to undertake outside paid work that is adverse to the university's interests as a state of Florida institution. Uh huh. That's it. Really? They just didn't want them to take money for other work at the same time? Well, we'll see. I've reached out to both of the uh, professors to see if they might be uh, able or willing to join us on this program. They've been here before. I don't know why they wouldn't want to come on and talk about all of this now. Professor Smith uh, testified with the University of Florida's permission in two voting rights lawsuits against Florida's Republican-led government back in 2018. One suit forced the state to provide Spanish-language ballots for Hispanic voters. The other overturned a state-imposed ban on early voting uh, polling places on Florida University campus. But uh, university officials reversed course for some reason after a coalition of advocacy and voting rights groups sued back in May to block these new restrictions on voting that were enacted this year by the Republican controlled state legislature. Among the other uh, provisions, the law, as I noted, sharply limits the use of ballot uh, drop boxes, makes it harder to obtain absentee ballots, and places still more new requirements on voter registration drives in a state which has. Drastically already made uh, voter registration drives as difficult as possible over the years, making third party registration drives, uh, you know, very difficult to accomplish. Uh, You know, exposing those who are doing so to criminal penalties for various ridiculous things, lawyers for the plaintiffs sought to hire the uh, three professors, political scientists all and national nationally recognized experts Uh, In rejecting Dr. Smith's request, for example, the dean of the university's College of Arts and Sciences, a guy by the name of David Richardson, wrote that, quote, outside activities that pose a conflict of interest to the executive branch of the state of Florida create a conflict for the University of Florida. Well, that sounds very different than, oh, you going out and, uh, you know, being paid by someone else to to do something, Sounds like he said quite directly that, hey, we don't want our professors out there talking uh, because, you know, saying things negatively against the state's election laws. Because that might redound against the best interests of the University of Florida, the state institution. One lawyer for the plaintiffs in the case said that uh, that reasoning, quote, goes against the core of what the University of Florida should stand for in terms of academic freedom. Academic freedom. You know, that's the thing that Republicans, like Governor DeSantis, constantly go onto Fox News and pretend to support as they pretend that it is being taken away from Republicans on college campuses. And yet, here they are actually taking away academic freedom from their own professors. It seems, un- it seems reasonable for us to understand whether the executive office of the governor had any role in participating in this decision, the attorney said, in explaining the plaintiff's efforts to get at uh, any documents that may implicate the governor's office in the U- University of Florida's unprecedented decision. An author of two books on academic freedom, Henry Reichman, called the uh, state's new restrictions, quote, crazy. I was speaking with uh, Professor Smith uh, via DM earlier today, told him I thought this was insane. He agreed that this was absolutely insane. But this is where we are. This is how democracy dies. And we are watching this play out before our eyes. Uh, You know, DeSantis had uh, signed legislation this year requiring universities to annually assess the state of academic freedom and ensure that students hear a variety of viewpoints, including those they disagree with. But barring these professors' testimony would seem to go against that very idea. That, according to a letter last month from the ACLU, which added that the university, quote, simply should not be looking to Governor DeSantis to decide which speech activities it will engage in. That is precisely the opposite of the values that universities are thought to stand for, according to the ACLU. And I must keep noting today that this is exactly how democracy dies. Apparently, Governor DeSantis is very close to the um, one of the uh, top, uh, the, the head of the school's board of trustees, a guy by the name of Mortiza Hosseini. He's a major Republican Party donor. And a DeSantis advisor who chaired a transition team formed by the governor's after the governor's incredibly narrow victory in 2018. When, as you may recall, Governor DeSantis barely won his election that year by less than one half of one percentage point over his Democratic opponent. Leading to a statewide recount at the time to confirm his victory. So he signed these new voting restrictions into law before a crowd of supporters of Donald Trump and of his own in a ceremony on Fox News. What do you think this voting restriction law was about? As I noted, I've reached out to both Professors Smith and McDonald today uh, to see if they might be able to join us uh, on the show uh, this week uh, or in the days ahead to discuss this matter. Uh, on the broadcast we will see if they will be allowed to do so in the days ahead 818-985-5735 if you want to ring in on any of this 818-985-KPFK I've got some other democracy dying news that I want to get to but as promised I want to sort of move through some calls as we go here Mike calls in from Los Angeles hey Mike welcome to the broadcast what's on your mind sir
0: Bad. you Gotta wonder what they're putting in the Gatorade these days. Anyway,
3: <laughs> created, down, invented down at uh, the uh, University of Florida, if I if I recall correctly.
0: Uh, one hears that, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I was wondering in this uh, Virginia gubernatorial race, the yeah. perfect campaign poster to put out today would not be a photo of the brown shirts in the 1930s in Germany burning a pile of books that they consider degenerate, mm-hmm. uh, and then labeling it the Young Kid Book Club. Uh, because there was this recent uh, ad from a supporter of that uh, Republican candidate yep. uh, denouncing a horrible, horrible book by Nobel Prize winner Tony Morrison, which uh, mm-hmm. dealt with the issue of uh Child bearing uh, and reproduction under slavery.
3: Yes, and that and then Ad did not met, had had the mother saying she was so upset when her child came home from school uh, in tears, had nightmares after uh, reading the material that was given to them by the teacher. Never mentioned that. Her child, that student, was a high school senior in an advanced placement uh, uh, class, which is essentially a college class, where they were assigned uh, to read the uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning Toni Morrison novel uh, Beloved.
0: Well, it did have a traumatic effect on his mind because he uh, grew up to be a Republican attorney.
3: Yes, as it turns out. Thank you for noting that. Yes. Now he works for the uh, Republican Party or something in uh, 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 Virginia. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, In other democracy dying news, I've been reporting of late on the GOP gerrymandering schemes uh, coming together around the country uh, following the 2020 census now that the U.S. Supreme Court has instructed federal courts that they may not... They may not participate. They may not take any cases challenging state-drawn maps for Congress. That's strictly to be left up to the states. The federal courts may now have nothing to do with it. And, of course, they have done away with the federal preclearance requirements from the Voting Rights Act. Those no longer apply to states. Uh, They no longer have to get approval from the federal government in advance for their state maps. Uh, To make sure that they are uh, not uh, racially restrictive, racially discriminatory. And the fact that uh, with with these new maps that are now being put in place, we've been talking about being put in place by states that are controlled by Republicans, that the GOP will take control of the U.S. House next year, even if Americans vote exactly as they did in 2020, back when Joe Biden won the presidency with about by about a, a 7 million votes. And uh, Democratic U.S. House candidates in 2020, they received about 4 million votes than the Republican House candidates uh, did that year. Uh, Despite that lopsided vote in favor of Democrats, well, thanks to the gerrymandering that is already in place after the 2010 census, Democrats were able to win the barest of majorities in the U.S. House. But if Republicans now go even further in their gerrymandering and every sign suggests they are doing exactly that, you know, because the shackles of the federal government have now been lifted by the Republicans' stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court, well, then, if everyone in the country votes in 2022 exactly the same way for the U.S. House that they did last year, well, the GOP would end up winning a huge majority in the lower chamber, even though they received fewer votes. So that along with what we are we we now know uh, regarding their plans to use uh, that majority in 2022 if they can take it back to then steal the 2024 presidential election in congress well that has forced me uh, as i've been discussing in recent weeks to at least for now change my position about partisan gerrymandering i believe for the good of democracy and barring passage of federal Legislation Like the Freedom to Vote Act, which would ban partisan gerrymanders in all 50 states. I believe now that in states where d- Democrats control the redistric- redistricting process, they should partisan gerrymander the hell out of those states. I hate that position. I never thought I would hold it. In all my years as a a democracy advocate, but I actually think it is necessary at this point in order to have a chance of trying to save American democracy itself. Democrats should not unilaterally disarm themselves in this fight. There is too much now at stake, sadly. And to that end, last week, the uh, great state of Iowa whose legislature and governor's mansion is controlled by Republicans. Well, they first rejected a brand new map for their four congressional seats, their four congressional districts, which would have been divided to a piece in the Hawkeye State, two districts which had voted for Joe Biden in 2020 and two districts that voted for Donald Trump in 2020. Sounds fair. But the Republicans who run the state, uh, well, they disapproved of that map. They rejected it before they then went on to approve a second version of the map that divided the state's four House seats among four districts, all of which voted for Donald Trump last year. And yes, this is how democracy dies. And this is why I continue to call for pushback in democratically controlled states. And in that same way. I have been thinking about the new, obviously unconstitutional Texas abortion restriction law, which had a hearing on Monday at the U.S. Supreme Court. And, uh, yes, in the way I've sort of uh, flipped on partisan gerrymandering, so to speak, I have similar thoughts when it comes to the Texas abortion case. Let me take a quick break here and we will come back with that and your calls. If you want to ring in with your thoughts on any of this, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. We'll pick up with the Supreme Court and your calls right after this on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Watching as democracy in America dies? <clears throat> not on my watch. Not if I can help it. A uh, protest sign outside the U.S. Supreme Court uh, on Monday morning read thusly, Desi Doyen. And I don't know if you happen to see this one, but here was the protest sign. A uh, quote. He who is without ovaries shall not make laws for those who do. Fallopians 206. <laughs> That's good. Not in my oh Bible. My I didn't notice that part <laughs> in in my Bible.
1: I'm gonna have to use that.
3: Yeah, anyway, uh, democracy has not yet completely given up. We are still fighting and we are still taking your calls here at 818-985 KPFK. I will get to my thoughts on what happened on Monday morning in the Supreme Court momentarily, but let me take yet another call as we go. Kevin in Los Angeles. And where are all where are all the women at? Why am I getting a bunch of dudes calling in? What's up with that? 818-985-KPFK. Nothing against Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the Bradcast, sir.
4: Hey, Brad. Thanks for the show. And, and, you know, I can't apologize for being a man. It just turned out that
3: (laughs) way. I understand. Not your fault. I won't blame you. What's on your mind, brother?
4: Well, I just wanted to, you know, say, um, as many of us know, democracy, freedoms, responsibilities, it's not a spectator sport. You have to be actively involved. There are many... Uh, groups with agendas on the opposite side, which would seek to control people's lives in, in negative ways, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that are very quick to take action mm-hmm. Get on the street. And I'm talking about an, in a peaceful way, a democratic way. Writing mm-hmm. um, people, going on drives, things like that. The other side needs to do that as well. Mm-hmm. We need to be in the streets. We need to be active. And I know that can be daunting for some people. So I'm not trying to put anyone down that is yeah. a spectator how to be a participant. You can find ways, write to people, call people, call your congresspeople, make your voice heard in whatever way is comfortable for you, but find that way, and, and you can do it. We can all do it together.
3: It Thanks, is friends. so important, and I think people think someone else is going to save this democracy for me. They are not. You are going to save it. Kevin is going to save it. I'm going to save it. You are going to save it. Desi, maybe she'll save it. hey, we'll say, hey now. <laughs> She's working on the planet. we got to, you know, uh, break these things up, break up these chores. You save the planet, I'll save democracy. But, uh, you know, pick one of them. And when, Kevin, when you talk about the other side, I don't even know that you're talking about necessarily Republicans versus Democrats. At this point, it is pro-democracy versus anti-democracy, it seems to me.
4: You know, I I agree with that. And I think for myself, as I try and evolve and stay relevant, I'm trying to avoid labels. So Republican, Democrat, Mm -hmm. I tell um, you know, my friends or youth, whoever is interested, mm-hmm. look at the way people vote. Don't pay attention to the label. Look at how they vote. Follow mm-hmm. their actions. Yep. Are they actions that benefit society, or are they a detriment to society? And I think that way we can escape social media, which has a devastating impact, and it's leading us to the edge of that cliff even faster um, than in previous year, in previous uh, eras and such. But also, it's a cycle. It's always been a cycle throughout history where we've got to fight back against elite powers, which are basically economic powers. Mm -hmm. And it's not a conspiracy. Anyone who's a student of history or anything about history understands what I'm talking about. This is a cycle. It takes us as a people being engaged in doing so. And I think if we can get rid of the labels, we'll find more ease in getting into an active role where we can make a difference.
3: Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, and I appreciate those thoughts. Now, one of the things that I have, uh, you know, and I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. I am an independent. I am not a Democrat. I'm registered as an independent. I will stand up for anyone's voting rights, right, left, uh, Republican, Democratic, conservative, progressive, liberal, whatever. Um, But right now, at this point, the Republican Party has become the anti-democracy party. And if you want to call that a label, so be it. But until they stand up for democracy and they are doing quite the opposite, um, you know, I've got to join, again, folks like longtime Republican Max Boot and say, yeah, until this crisis is over, uh, you need to vote for Democrats. To save democracy, not to save the Democratic Party, but to save democracy. Anyway, that's... I, I agree with you. Thank you, sir. Because I appreciate
4: it. throw the baby out with the bathwater, but at the same time, let's hold everyone accountable. There are Democrats yep. that vote against Medicare for All, and you look at Sen- uh, Senator Manchin and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Kristen Tianema. So we've got to be careful, but I, I totally agree with you. Right now, the spotlight is on a group of individuals as a collective, which is a Republican Party that is extremely dangerous. The rest of our
3: lives. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that call, sir. Let me uh, get to what happened uh, on Monday morning in the Supreme Court, and then we'll get back to more of your calls at 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. Uh, and if you happen to uh, listen to the live streaming, which they are now doing at the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, a majority of the Supreme Court signaled on Monday, according to AP, uh, reading tea leaves on the high court. That's always dangerous. But a majority on the court signaled that they would allow abortion providers to pursue a court challenge to a Texas law that has virtually ended abortion in the nation's second largest state after six weeks of pregnancy before many women even realize they are pregnant. But it was unclear how quickly the court would rule and whether it would issue an order blocking the law, which has now been in effect for two months or whether they would require providers to ask a lower court instead to put the law on hold. It was all quite technical, but there was, uh, you know, as far as who to sue and not. But, uh, well, anyway, I'll I'll get to the, the through line that I was able to take from this. Two Republican justices, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, voted in September to allow the law to take effect but they raised questions on Monday about its novel structure. The law was written to make it difficult, if not impossible, to mount challenges because the restrictions on, uh, on abortion after six weeks before most women even know that they are pregnant, those restrictions are not enforced by the government the way this law is written. Rather, the state of Texas has allowed citizens, whether they are from Texas or anywhere else, to sue For at least ten thousand dollars in civil court against anyone that they believe has aided or abetted in any way in an abortion after six weeks, including anyone who advises or helps a woman to receive the abortion. Anyone who drives her to the clinic, even like an Uber driver, can be sued for ten thousand dollars at a minimum. The justices heard three hours of arguments on Monday in, in uh, two different cases over whether abortion providers or the Justice Department can even be allowed to uh, mount a federal court challenge to the law, which has the uh, unusual, seemingly unprecedented enforcement scheme by citizens uh, to and, and its defenders argue that that because of that, This law is now shielded entirely from federal court review, despite what almost everyone recognizes as a direct infringement on the currently guaranteed constitutional right to an abortion as established decades ago, 1973's Roe v. Wade. Which, by the way, the state of Mississippi has now asked the Supreme Court to overturn entirely. That case is going to be before the court next month. But the way Texas has gone about this new law is is novel and it has made it very difficult to challenge it in court at all because it is unclear who, if anyone, actually has standing. To uh, to sue do, you know, because despite the clear violations of constitutionally protected rights. Who are you going to sue? The Solicitor General from Texas, Judd Stone, and Jonathan Mitchell, an architect of the law, who also argued on Monday at the high court, said that both the women's health providers who are suing in one of the cases and the Justice Department, which is suing separately, both of them lack the right to go into federal court and they can't sue state judges, they argue, or clerks, uh, court clerks, who are responsible for enforcing the the abortion ban. They also said that there is no effective way of blocking the law whatsoever, in part because federal courts can force state judges to abstain from hearing the lawsuits that the law authorizes. If this law is allowed to stand, as I've been pondering for the, la- for the past uh, several weeks— since uh, the supreme court allowed it to take effect why shouldn't the exact same enforcement mechanisms allowing private citizens to sue violators in civil court why should that not be put in place to infringe on other constitutionally protected rights in other states? Why not a law here in California that allows anybody to sue anybody else if they just happen to own a firearm of any type? Why not? If that's good enough for Texas when it comes to abortion, why not in California when it comes to guns? Why should non-right-wingers unilaterally concede the violation of constitutional rights Two Republican states which don't give a damn about such rights, obviously. I mean, just ask the state of Florida when it comes to freedom of speech for university professors or the state of Texas about uh, academic freedom and book burning. Or ask these Republican states all across the country who are now gerrymandering in ways that no one ever thought was going to be possible, but clearly is. And yes, we'll help them take back the U.S. House next year and steal the 2024 presidential election along with it if they want. Now, happily, on Monday during these uh, hearings uh, at the Supreme Court, even Justice Brett Kavanaugh, even he now appears to have figured out this concern, he, he, as he mentioned uh, during uh, the, the hearing on Monday, and then as he was followed up by Liberal Justice Elena Kagan.
5: Can I ask you about the <clears throat> implications of your position for other constitutional rights? The uh, amicus brief, the Firearms um, uh, Policy Coalition says, quote, this will easily become the model for suppression of other constitutional rights with Second Amendment rights being the most likely targets, end quote. And it could be free speech rights. It could be free exercise of religion rights. It could be Second Amendment rights. If this position is accepted here, the theory of the amicus brief is that it can be easily replicated in other states that disfavor uh, other constitutional rights. that Second Amendment rights, free exercise of religion rights, free speech rights, could be targeted uh, by other states, uh, infringe those, and to put huge penalties to the Chief Justice's hypothetical, say, everyone who sells an AR-15 is liable for a $1 million to any citizen. Um, Uncertain what the Second Amendment status of that ultimately will be, which is where those laws will have purchase. Uh, Would that kind of law be exempt from uh, pre-enforcement review in federal court. My answer is on whether or not the whether or not federal court reviews available does not turn on the nature of the right. So we can put in religious liberty. So we can marriage. assume that this will be across the board uh, equally applicable to, as the firearms policy coalition says to uh, to all constitutional rights. Yes, but I'd add one more point, Your Honor. Even with, and you've also said the amount of the penalty doesn't matter. Million dollars per sale. You know, anyone, a state passes the law, anyone who declines to provide a good or service for use in a same-sex marriage, a million dollars uh, sued by anyone in the state, that, that's exempt from pre-enforcement review. Again, Your Honor, what we'd have to have, for example, is that in specifically- a yes, or? Yes, I'm sorry, Your Honor, yes. That's indeed. a yes, that's exempt from pre-enforcement review. In the sense of that federal court's doctrines and Congress's statutes defining the jurisdiction of the federal courts would have to be, would have to be modified by Congress. And, and you know?
2: General Stone, your answer to Justice Kavanaugh, which is go ask Congress, I mean, isn't the point of a right that you don't have to ask Congress? Isn't Thank the point you. of a right that it doesn't really matter? What Congress thinks or what the majority of the American
3: people think as to that right? Thank you. Thank you, Justice Kagan. And by the way, thank you, Justice Kavanaugh, for raising that point. A bit later, the Obama, uh, the other Obama appointed justice, Sonia Sotomayor, was uh, more specific in what this sort of thing might look like, I would argue should look like if Texas's law is going to be allowed to go forward unchallenged in any court in the land, allowing citizens to sue to block constitutional rights because, hey, you can't sue the the state of Texas, so good luck. All they did was pass the law, sue someone else who's enforcing it, if you can. Here's uh, Justice Sotomayor.
6: Uh, A state dissatisfied with Heller says, anyone who possesses a firearm anywhere is subject to litigation by any private citizen anywhere in the country and gets a million dollar bounty. No sorry decisis, no nothing. How about in Obergefell imposes SBA style liability on anyone who officiates, aids, or abets a same sex wedding? How about dissatisfied with Lawrence versus Texas, subjects of private conceptual sexual conduct of which it disapproved, to the exact same law as SBA 8. How about Griswold? Um, The use and sale of contraception is subject to SBA-style liability. So this is not limited to abortion. That's the point that's been raised. It's limited to any law that a state thinks is
3: dissatisfied with. Yes, it is. And that's why it's so outrageous that the Supreme Court allowed this law to go into effect two months ago. I mean, I'm no uh, you know constitutional law expert, but I could look at it and see these problems down the road, and yet apparently the Supreme Court couldn't or the Supreme Court did not want to. Uh, Justice Kagan then echoed Justice Sotomayor's thoughts by putting all of this into perspective and and how it will change the nature of the country itself, along with the judiciary system and, and of course, our constitutional rights in all 50 states, if this is the road we are now headed down, thanks to Texas and their clearly anti-small-D democratic ideas about how to block constitutional rights. If that's
2: right, you know, and we say that, uh, we would live in a very different world from the world we live in today. Essentially, we would be inviting states, uh, all 50 of them, with respect to their unpreferred constitutional rights to try to nullify the law that this court has laid down as to the content of those rights. I mean, that was something that until this law came along, no state dreamed of doing. And essentially, we would be like, we're, you know, we're open for, you're open for business. There's, there's, a, there's, there's nothing the Supreme Court can do about it. Guns, same-sex marriage, religious rights, whatever you don't like, go ahead.
3: Is this where democracy dies? And please please note, uh, we haven't even gotten to any of the Donald Trump January 6th accountability stuff today, where democracy is barely hanging on by a thread at this point. 818-985-KPFK. 818-985-5735. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's take a quick break and we will come back with uh, those phone calls on... (laughs) Where Democracy Dies, and Desi Doyen, I could have gone on for three or four more hours today. Good thing we got another show tomorrow because, boy, <laughs> do I got a lot of Democracy Dies stories Sadly, to get yes. through. All right, quick break, and we're back with, uh, at least with your calls, where democracy still lives. Right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the Bradcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Step
2: aside your soul. Somebody step aside your soul.
3: It's the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Is this where democracy dies? Let's go to, uh, we had a, uh, there was a a woman caller who I was going to go to next, but it looks like she hung up. So instead we'll go to Harold in Santa Barbara. Nothing against Harold. Hey, Harold, welcome to the Bradcast, sir.
0: Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Great story. You know, people are already standing in line to sue Microsoft and Google because they were the vehicle they used to get the vehicle to deliver the person to have an abortion. So they're just as guilty. And also, oh. the California Highway Patrol on this ghost gun, yeah. if this law stays in effect, well, it could be pretty good.
3: What, what's the ghost—which uh, which law are we talking about? Uh, the ghost gun law?
0: Uh, Yes, because they're trying to ban ghost guns, the sale of ghost guns. It's legal for you to have uh, the components of making a gun in the state of California, and then you don't have to register it. So, you know.
3: Uh, Yeah, because you just get the pieces and you build it and each of the pieces do not have serial numbers on them. But you know what? The hell with that. Why not uh, pass a law in California that says uh, if you know of someone who has an AR-15, you can sue them for a million dollars. Why not? That's it. You can sue them if they have an AR-15 or any sort of semi-automatic rifle. You can sue them. No, don't challenge us. Don't challenge the state of California. We just passed this law. If you got a problem, you know, talk to someone who sues for a million dollars and receives it. If you happen to own a gun, they can pass a law like that. Apparently, that's exactly that's exactly what uh, Texas did with SB eight which clearly undermines Ro, uh, uh, Roe v. Wade, the constitutional right, and clearly it would undermine laws. You can pass a law that they can sue anyone for having any type of gun, no matter—I don't care what it says in the Constitution. Go ahead and sue them. That's what. Uh, that's where this is all going, and why not? It should. Uh, thanks for the call, Harold. Thank I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Yeah. I... Thank
3: you. Uh, all right, let me go to. Uh, well, we gotta we gotta wrap up here. Let me go to Morris in Long Beach. Our old friend Mo. Hey Mo, what's up, brother?
7: Hello, everybody. Let's look at here. The Democrats have got two obstructionists, or two, uh, the, uh, two operatives in their party, mm-hmm. okay, Manchin and Sinema. They're collecting more money than anybody in, in public office right now. Now, check this out. There is an American myth, Brad. Not everybody appreciates democracy. The Federalists don't appreciate democracy. The Heritage Foundation, mm-hmm. they don't appreciate democracy. Yep. Libertarian yep. ice bogs. they don't appreciate democracy, and obviously— the Republicans don't. So what is our salvation? Here we go. The select committee. That's our salvation. They've got to put those public officials on blast and let that be a narrative right there. Because they they, If they're going to obstruct our policy, there's nothing we can do about that. These people are on the take, okay? They're obstructionists. They're operatives within the party. Can't do nothing about that unless you want to turn everything over to the Republicans right now. Mr. McConnell don't want to do that. So the select committee put them on blast and let I mean, like, <laughs> what was that guy in the 50s, Brad? They called everybody a communist and ruined everybody's uh, careers. Um, and, um, I forget his name McCarthy was that McCarthy yes
3: we, Joe McCarthy
7: we need a Joseph McCarthy to get up like you need to get up there Brad and say, look at we got to defend democracy and these people are trying to tear it down put them on blast like that that's all we got. Otherwise, they, they are going to do some, have some successes uh, with uh and uh, with the uh, uh, congressional races. I doubt the tw- uh, presidential race, but they will have successes in the congressional race. But I, put them on blast in the select committee. That's, I, it. That's all we
3: can do. I hear you. Thanks, Morris. I appreciate that. Our old friend Mo. Yeah, the U.S. House Select Committee, which is by the way, made a referral to uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Justice to hold uh, Steve Bannon in criminal contempt. It's been over a week now. Will will any charges be brought against? Steve Bannon. Last time something like this happened back in the '80s, it only took eight days to bring charges. So I suspect we will be talking about that uh, on the broadcast as the week goes on as well. I know we do. Got to get out. Thanks to all of our callers. Apologies to those who I couldn't get to. But the good fight continues tomorrow. No, we're not going to let democracy die. Not on my dime. Not on my watch. But I'll tell you what—it's getting a lot harder. A lot harder. We need everyone on board here. Got to get out. My thanks to our board operator today, Federico Garcia, to my producer, Desi Doyen, to all the callers, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you'll find me at TheBradBlog. See you there until we see you here next time. Hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world i <laughs>